Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable? How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives, The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Can there be forgiveness when there has been abuse? What if someone who's been a victim of abuse says, I don't think I can forgive that person. In fact, I don't think I want to forgive that person. How can Christ's forgiveness find its way into that situation? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's time to conclude our three-part series on forgiveness and unforgiveness. Today, discussing forgiveness and abuse. Dr. Mark Rockenbach joins us. He's Associate Professor of Practical Theology at Concordia Seminary, co-author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January, Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. Dr. Rockenbach, welcome. Thank you. You have researched overcoming unforgiveness. What insights did you gain through that research? Yeah, so as part of my doctorate dissertation and the like, I wanted to understand the experience that people had with forgiving someone who had uh, sinned against them. And so what I did is I interviewed people to get a better understanding of that. Interesting enough, the psychological counseling world has also been very interested in forgiveness because people have shown up in their counseling offices and said, hey, I want to learn how to forgive someone who has done this thing against me. And the psychological counseling world really didn't know what to do with that because that's not really their their wheelhouse. So they started studying it. And so they studied it. They looked at it. They agreed that forgiveness is a process. Not all the researchers agreed what was included in that process, but they agreed it was a process. And of course, from my theological background, I know that one of the most important parts of forgiveness is Jesus Christ. And what's missing a lot in the research that's done, especially in the psychological community, is they are missing Christ. They may talk about faith as kind of a resource you might use, but it's not really like the core thing of what's important to be able to forgive someone. So being able to research and talk to people and understand the process they went through is very helpful for me because by doing that, I can understand their experience and how they experienced the sin that was committed against them and then what they did as a result of that. And what I found in my own research in the people I was researching were LCMS Lutheran lay people. What was important to them is once they realized how forgiven they were in Christ, it then made it easier for them to be able to forgive this other person who had sinned against them. And so my research really kind of brought that out, demonstrated that, and made sense with the work that Ted was doing. Of course, I was doing out in the field as well and got to the point of putting this book together. And our hope is that this will be a blessing to other people who may struggle then with unforgiveness. Why is the circumstance of abuse 
while not entirely unique, why does it deserve special attention when talking about forgiveness? So abuse is a very difficult topic to talk about. It is not an easy thing when you're being abused or you're watching abuse take place. And there's a lot of factors with it, too, that may be difficult to understand or know exactly what to do. And especially when it comes to forgiveness, it can be difficult because when someone's abusing you, you may not feel like forgiving them for the great harm that they've done to you. There's all kinds of different abuse also. There's physical, there's verbal, there's cultural, psychological, all kinds of different abuse takes place. But usually what the abuser is doing is manipulating and isolating the person in some ungodly way and forcing them to do things, say things, behave in a way that the abuser wants and not really taking in consideration the interest of their neighbor. And so abuse can be very difficult because it can be very, very isolating. You feel very isolated when you're being abused. You feel like no one's there to help you. And so having someone there to be able to help in that situation is important and significant so that you can get out of the situation and this is where I think the counseling community is very helpful. There's lots of resources out there to be able to help people who are in those situations, to be able to get out of the abusive situation, provide resources for them. The other thing with abuse is you have to learn how to really establish good boundaries. You can't say yes to everything. You're going to have to say no to some things and realize certain things are not going to be helpful to participate in. And if you grew up in an abusive home, sometimes that's difficult because it may just be the culture you know, the environment you knew so well, and it's hard to realize that there's another way of doing things. There's a godly way of living that doesn't include this manipulation and this isolation. So, But having good boundaries helps you to be able to say yes to things that are good and no to things that are un ungodly. And again, counseling can help establish those boundaries for you and help you so that you can then live out a life that is godly and not so fearful of the isolation or the manipulation. Now, the other thing that people struggle with with an abusive situation is can the abuser, is the abuser forgivable? For all the terrible things that they have done, is there forgiveness for that person who has caused that abuse? And the answer is yes. The gift of life and salvation and forgiveness of sins is for all people, even for those who have been abusing someone else. They have eternal life if they confess and, and repent of that sin that they have committed. But it may be difficult for them to change their behavior because sometimes they, it's very habitual, the things they're doing, so they may, be, may need help with that. But should the person being abused still have connection to that abuser? Well, not necessarily. It kind of depends. Or some people ask, should the person being abused go and speak forgiveness directly to the person who is abusing them? Well, again, it depends. I've had situations where the person being abused wants to go back and talk to the abuser, 
But the abuser just takes that as an opportunity to continue to manipulate and isolate and sin against the person, which would not be helpful for them. So sometimes maybe it would not be beneficial. But if, you, if the person who is being abused does go and talk to the abuser, it's always wise that someone else comes along with them to help them with that conversation, to protect them, and to help lead that conversation so that something godly comes out of it. And if there can be forgiveness and reconciliation, that would be something to celebrate, of course. But you always put it in God's hands and you let God lead and, and, and direct those things. You mentioned before the degree to which the psychiatric or the psychological disciplines can be used to help someone overcome forgiveness. What are the pros and cons there? So one of the things that's lacking in the psychological community, of course, is their ability to speak about Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things, though, that's interesting in the psychological community, what they do try to do is they'll use what they call coping mechanisms. So when someone has a sin they've committed or a sin someone else has committed against them, often what people will do is they'll loop that in their head. We call it cognitive looping or rumination. They'll just kind of play it over and over and over in their mind all the time. And as they do that, it gets bigger and bigger and so big it becomes this huge burden that they just can't do much with. It becomes overwhelming for them. Well, in the psychological community, they talk about how you need to somehow intervene. You need to intervene with that looping. And how the psychological community does it is they use coping mechanisms. So you learn how to cope with the person. And that may be things like deep breathing exercises or certain kinds of meditation or positive thinking. But none of that actually deals with the sin directly in the way that Jesus Christ has. And that's the problem with the psychological approach to forgiveness. It helps you to put up with it or cope with what has happened, but it really doesn't do anything to forgive because most psychology points the person inward to themselves. So you've got to find inside yourself strength or power to be able to forgive the other person. If someone has really sinned against you and you're looking inward to try to find something inside yourself so that you could forgive the other person, you're just not going to find it. It's not there. And then that just leads you to more depression, despair, hopelessness. But where true forgiveness comes, it comes from outside of us. It comes from Christ. And when people are pointed outside of themselves to Christ and rely upon what Christ has done for them, that gives them then the ability to be able to forgive other people. And so while there's some things like, for example, I talk about setting good boundaries, like in an abusive situation, resources for people who are struggling with an abusive situation, all that is helpful in the psychological community and very useful. But many times they're missing the essence of what forgiveness is in Christ, and that's what's missing, but that's what's the most important part of being able to forgive someone, is not learning how to cope with it. It's knowing and trusting in the forgiveness that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. 
Dr. Mark Rockenbach is our guest, co-author of The Issues Etc., a book of the month, Unforgivable. We're talking about forgiveness and abuse. On the other side, we'll discuss the cycle of unforgiveness. If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. A bequest allows you to receive an estate tax charitable deduction and reduces the tax burden on your family. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the Word of the Lord endures forever. Have you ever wanted a resource to share with first-time visitors of your congregation to help them understand why we worship the way we worship, why your church gathers the way they gather to receive our Lord's gifts? Pick up your copy of the January issue of The Lutheran Witness, which is The Divine Service, A User's Guide. To order a copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website to learn more, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. For sinners only, you're listening to Issues Etc. Where is God's mission? God's mission is everywhere. Yes, it's far away, but it's also very near. It's as near as your congregation in school, your neighborhood, your family and friends, even as near as your home. Wherever you are, God's mission is in that place. Through his mission, Christ is bringing forgiveness, life, and salvation to people everywhere, even here, right where you are. God's mission here. Learn more at lcms.org slash national mission. Do you dream about having stained glass windows at your church, but know they are too expensive to ever get them? Ad Crusom has the solution. Our window clings are an excellent way to enhance the beauty of your church without breaking that glass ceiling. Visit adcrucem.com and reach out to us to work with you on this project. Ad Crucem, established in 2014 and still going strong. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. Congratulations to the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod's newest Navy chaplain, Jason Sluter. LCMS chaplains deliver word and sacrament ministry to our military personnel and their families. Find out about their service at lcms.org slash armed forces, LCMS ministry to the armed forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. We're discussing forgiveness and abuse, concluding our three-part series on forgiveness and unforgiveness. Dr. Mark Rockenbach is our guest. He's co-author of The Issues, Etc., Book of the Month for January, Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. Dr. Rockenbach, talk about the tendency to get stuck in a cycle of unforgiveness. Yeah, so what happens is something happens to me, and then I will rehearse it in my mind over and over again. And then I'll find someone that I'll talk to. I'll say, oh, this happened to me, and I'll... I'll, I'll tell the story again. And I end up telling that story over and over again, and I end up adding things to it. I may make some assumptions about the person and add that to the story. And sometimes some of the people we talk to are not always helpful to us because when we retell the story, they actually will participate in 
gossip and slander about the person as well. And they may say, oh, yeah, I can understand that person did that because, you know, I had this experience with them. And by doing that, all that happens is we're just continuing to sin over and over and over again, which really kind of is a spiral down this deep, dark hole we end up going into. And it doesn't help anything. I mean, in the moment, it might. I mean, some people in the moment, it's kind of like, oh, I kind of felt good about that, that I could get it off my chest, they'll say. But long term, it really doesn't do much for you because all it does is continue to just kind of rehash that sin in a way that's not helpful or that's not useful. So the idea is you want to interrupt that loop. You want to interrupt that looping that takes place. And how we can interrupt it theologically is we do that with forgiveness. So when forgiveness comes into that looping and interrupts it and stops it, now all of a sudden you're not going down that deep dark hole that sin's leading you down. Now you're trusting in the forgiveness that has been given to you through Jesus Christ. And you can share that gift of forgiveness then with the other person as well. So psychological world uses coping mechanisms to interrupt the loop, which doesn't work very well. But theologically, we can use the gospel of Jesus Christ and forgiveness, which actually brings so much hope and peace and joy to the situation because we're not relying upon ourselves. We're relying upon God who is outside of ourselves. What role does prayer play? That's a very important question because often we end up forgetting about prayer in the midst of these situations. A lot of people talk about prayer, but they're not always very good at praying. I'll give you an example. Let's say someone's sitting across from you someplace and they're telling about this experience that they had. Someone had sinned against them. And as I said before, some people, what they'll do is they'll participate in the gossip and the slander of that and end up sinning then in that situation. But if we could change, if we could interrupt that and do it differently, what we would do is we could interrupt that with prayer. So, for example, if someone's sitting across from you and talking about some sins someone had committed against them, and you empathetically listen to them you know, do some active listening. And then when they're done, you could say something like this. You could say, so how may I pray for you today? And that is a way to bring the concern at the Lord's feet and let that God then speak into that. And that's a much better approach than continuing with gossip and, and, and slander. And so Prayer is crying out to God and saying, I'm struggling with this. I need help with this. We're looking for you to help us and to lead and to guide us in this way. And I've done this a lot, and I teach this to students too how to do this. So simply just asking the question, how may I pray for you? And if you do use that with someone who's struggling with forgiving, they may be caught off guard at first by it because we just often don't say that to one another. How may I pray for you? But if you can change the script instead of gossip and slander, change it to prayer and say, okay, let's pray together and come to the Lord and see what he has to say. 
it's amazing how God will lead because he will answer prayer. He tells us that. He says he will answer our prayers and he will provide for us according to his will and his purpose. So in order to encourage prayer, we also provided a template then for people to use to be able to pray because your prayers shouldn't just be surface. If you have theological depth to them, that also helps. So a prayer that is rooted in what God has done or promised to do for us is a prayer that is seeking him out and trusting in him to help in this very difficult situation that you have with another person. So being in prayer brings you before God, gets you outside of yourself, and lays it at his feet to have him then to come into your life and to help and assist you with this particular sin that's taking place. A question from Paul. He says, if a person commits a grievous sin against me, I may forgive the person, but how do I, as the head of my family and responsible for their safety, ensure that he doesn't do it again? Speaking about Dr. Coburn's African friends, how do they ensure that the returned rapists and murderers didn't repeat their crimes? Kind of generally, what do we do about protecting the victim of abuse even after forgiveness has been given? That is another excellent question because you don't want to go through that again. No one wants to go through that kind of abuse again. That would be devastating to do that. So how can we protect ourselves? Well, one way that happens is that God has put the government over us. Romans 13 speaks about this, that we're submitted to the government authorities because they've been established to be able to, to be there. You know, they, they bear the sword. And so that'd be one way to do it. We rely upon those who are in positions of authority above us who have established laws or police, various systems to protect us. And we rely upon that. That's one way that it happens. Another way it happens is that you yourself may have to change your behaviors or have certain, I called them boundaries earlier, different boundaries that you set up. So it may be that if someone is violent towards you, you want to make sure that you're not in the same environment that they are in, that you're in a different environment. Legally, for example, you can get restraining orders put against people as well if need be. You know, those kinds of things can happen. So you wouldn't want to just sit there and continue to take more abuse from them. You know, you'd hope that they would repent of it and they'd turn away from it. But some people are not that way. Some people turn away from God and some people do participate in evil, wicked ways where the abuse continues. So you would want to do everything that you could that was godly to be able to protect you or your family. Now, you'd want to be careful not to do ungodly things. So some people, in trying to protect their family or themselves, might choose to do something ungodly. Like, I don't know if this helps or not, but social media now, a lot of people trying to protect their reputation will go on social media and they will blast other people, say wicked, evil things about other people, gossip or slander about them in an attempt to try to protect their own reputation. Well, that's not godly to do that. You end up becoming as sinful as they are. But like with social media things, there's ways that you can block people 
or other things you can do to prevent that behavior. So it depends on the situation, the environment, but you can talk to various people and they can give you some insights of ways you can set appropriate boundaries or have other people help you so that that abuse doesn't continue to become a problem. But you can still forgive them. So you can forgive someone and yet still have consequences because there are earthly consequences for behavior. Some people don't like those earthly consequences, but those earthly consequences, what they are is a curb. They try to curb that behavior. They try to protect people. An earthly consequence protects me from other people who may continue to harm me. It may protect me from continuing to harm someone else. So those earthly consequences help in that protection of people while they're not going to be an eternal consequences for those who have confessed and repented of their sins. Dr. Mark Rockenbach is our guest. We're concluding our series on forgiveness and unforgiveness, talking about forgiveness and abuse. What if someone says after abuse, I don't want to forgive my abuser? Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable? How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives, The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Here's an easy way for you to help us cast ChristNet on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review the Issues Etc. podcast with your podcast provider. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Christ-centered, cross-focused, you're listening to Issues Etc. You're personally invited to join Lutherans for Life and Why for Life in celebrating under the theme, Just As I Am, January 14th through the 20th during Life Week 2024. Each theme day will explore a distinct aspect of life ministry through local activities, online educational events, interviews, and more. For additional information, visit lutheransforlife.org. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. lutheransforlife.org. Memoria Press's award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're concluding our series on forgiveness and unforgiveness, talking about forgiveness and abuse with Dr. Mark Rockenbach. Dr. Rockenbach, what about the person who's in a victim 
of abuse, and, and they say, I don't want to forgive my abuser. And that would be a very common thing that people would struggle with. Because when someone has done such great harm to you, it is difficult to forgive them. And you'd want to be empathetic towards that, most definitely. But the key of forgiving someone else always is going to lie in knowing how forgiven you are in Christ. Romans is clear that the wages of sin is death. And that means for all of us. It doesn't matter what you've done, how big or how small the sin is. We all deserve eternal damnation and hell because of our sin. So the wages of sin is death. But then the passage goes on and says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when you forgive someone, you are giving them that gift of God through Jesus Christ. Not something you've done on your own. It's something that God has done outside of ourselves. And they don't deserve it, but we don't deserve it either. In fact, no one deserves it. And this is what's so miraculous about how God works with us and treats us is he gives us what we do not deserve. And so you want to acknowledge the abuse. You want to acknowledge the struggle that is there. Be empathetic about that. But as you help them to understand their own forgiveness in Christ and what God has done for them, that will help to motivate them, move them to be able to forgive the other person so that they can be unhitched from them. Because if you refuse to forgive, it'll simply just poison your life. Unforgiveness is really a poison. Forgiveness is the cure that sets you free. So when someone who has been abused is able to be able to get to the point of forgiving the person who's been abusing them, it really sets them free from that abuser and gives them the opportunity now to live their life as a child of God, as someone who has mercy and grace and forgiveness of sins. Now, that's not an easy journey to take. And this is another thing with my research I found out is all my research participants all told me that it was their pastor or someone in a spiritual position. Like, for example, one guy talked about it was his father who did this for him. But there were people who spoke into their lives, who were there to encourage them, support them, and to help them understand how forgiven they were so that they could forgive someone else. And that spiritual care that is provided by pastors is so essential and so important for our life together. Without it, we end up simply just being isolated and trying to figure it out on our own. But having someone in that time when, when we're struggling to come into our lives and to be there to support us, to pray for us, to encourage us, to point us to Christ, and help us to walk through that process of being able to forgive someone else is so significant. So if you can be that person to someone else or have someone in your life who does that for you, it is a huge blessing that will help you to really better understand forgiveness, the value, the gift of forgiveness, because it really is a gift, 
and how that gift is shared with us and we can share it with other people. Draw the connection between the forgiveness that all of us have received in Jesus Christ and how it necessarily finds its expression in extending forgiveness to those who have sinned against us. The forgiveness we have in Jesus Christ is essential because it's outside of ourselves. It's not something we have done, we have accomplished. It is something that Christ has accomplished for us. And so there on the cross, he sheds his blood, he rises victoriously, and because of that, we then can share that gift with others. So the book is titled Unforgivable. What's the difference between forgiveness and unforgiveness? Well, forgiveness is sharing that gift of forgiveness with others. Unforgiveness is withholding that gift of forgiveness from others. So who are we to withhold God's forgiveness from others? Are we in the place of God to do that? The answer would be no. Joseph talked about this with his brothers. You know, he was very gracious to them even after they had sinned against him, you know, sold him into slavery and, and all these things. And Joseph forgives them. He shows mercy and grace to them. Same thing happens with the Ninevites, the grace that is showed to them. So it's not that we deserve it, but it's miraculous that God fulfills his promises he made and gives this to us. And it is a gift. And so who are we to keep that gift from other people then? If we refuse to give forgiveness to someone else, then we put ourselves in the place of God and we're like, well, I'm going to be the one now who decides who gets forgiveness and who doesn't. Forgiveness is for everyone. Jesus came, suffered, died, and rose again for the sins of the world. And that's my sin. That's the sin of other people who've sinned against me. And so I share that forgiveness, not because it's mine, but because it's God's, but it's a gift that I can give to other people because God has given that gift to me. Can any of this be possible if we are not regularly receiving that forgiveness through the preaching of God's Word and His sacraments on Sunday morning? Right. So this is something that only Christians can do. If you're not a Christian and you don't believe in Jesus Christ, if you're not a regular part of a worshiping environment with other Christians, then if you are giving forgiveness, let's say you speak forgiveness to someone, it may be more in line with the psychological understanding of forgiveness, kind of like, well, I'm just going to let it go, or I'm going to ignore it, or I'm just going to avoid it. But that's not the same thing as forgiveness that Scripture speaks about. And so there's a difference. So the forgiveness that Scripture speaks about is a forgiveness that only comes from Jesus. And I can't give that gift unless I have first received that gift. So you can't give something you don't have. So people who are trying to forgive without Christ will find it very difficult to do because they're just relying upon themselves. But when you're part of a faith community, a Christian community that listens to the Word of God, that has a pastor who's preaching the Word of God and going to Bible study, and you come on a regular basis dealing with your sin every Sunday, 
confessing you are a sinner and being able to hear that wonderful, beautiful words from your pastor that your sins are forgiven. Well, he's given you gift. What happens in the Lord's Supper is gift. What happens in baptism is gift. What happens in the proclamation of the gospel is gift. And that gift is given to me Sunday after Sunday so that when things do come up, even with my own family, something comes up, I know I am forgiven. And because I am forgiven, I can forgive my wife, my children, my neighbor, whoever it may be, for sins that they have committed against me. And I'm not going to hold that against them. Well, sometimes you've got to go through a process. And I think that is true. There are things sometimes we have to work through a little bit. So someone has, depending upon what they've done, you may have to work it through, talk it out. And that's fine. So forgiveness for us is not a light switch that just goes on and off. It is something sometimes we have to be patient with and we have to take time to work through with someone else, like our pastor. But being in that faith community, a Christian community that relies upon God's word is essential to being able then to forgive in the same way that God has forgiven us. Dr. Mark Rockenbach is Associate Professor of Practical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. He is co-author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January, Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. You can purchase this book on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040 and request the Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. Dr. Rockenbach, thanks. Thank you. Friday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss biblical archaeology's top discoveries in 2023 with Dr. Craig Evans. We'll have Pastor Brian Wolfmiller and Brian Ketchelmeyer respond to your unanswered Bible questions, and we'll continue our series Responding to Roman Catholic Proof Texts with Dr. Stephen Parks. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. This is Pastor Tyler Arnold of Village Lutheran Church in Ladue, Missouri. The Saints at Village are proud to be an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. If you are in the St. Louis area, join us for the Divine Service at 815 or 1045 a.m., Bible Study and Sunday School at 930 a.m., as we receive Christ's promise of salvation and forgiveness through word and sacrament. You can find us at villagelutheranchurch.org. Village Lutheran in St. Louis welcomes you.